Well, good morning. I, uh, first of all, I'll say it again. This is kind of weird because you have to do this twice, and so it's, this is, I'll try to make it right, but even singing twice was awesome. How many here vote Carrie Baker, American Idol? Is she awesome? Wow. I watched that little girl grow up, and she has, whoa, she has found her voice, and oh, man, to use it for God, that is just, blesses my heart like crazy. And not to leave Andrew out again, but Andrew just knocked the lights out of that one. But he's older, and American Idol has an age limit, so we're going to leave him off just because of that. But Carrie, wow, that was awesome. Okay, let's get going. How many here know that I'm not Dr. Gibbs? <laughs> Only a few of you. Well, maybe I'll change a few things up here. How many of you realize I'm not Pastor Hoover? A few more. Okay. How many here made it to the missions conference and at least got to hear Dr. Gibbs speak? Awesome speaker. If you didn't get to hear him, get the DVDs. One of the most eloquent men of God that can bring a message and bring stories that he's actually lived. That's what I like about it. His stories aren't, well, I heard about this one or I heard about that. These are stories that have affected his life, and he lets us share those. I love that about him. But awesome speaker. We got to hear him four times in a row. That was great. So what I'm realizing here is Pastor Hoover said, okay, Rick, you're up for March 12th. And I said, wait a minute. Whoa. He said, no, you're up for March 12th. I said, but that's right after Dr. Gibbs. And and, and right before you, and one of the most awesome messages he's bringing, this, this coffee with a perfect stranger is going to be phenomenal. Don't miss next week. But why am I, I'm kind of like the interim or the, or, or the, the go-between guy, or, or I, I called myself earlier the halfway man. Not quite as big as Dr. Gibbs, but not near as fit as Pastor Hoover, obviously. So I'll be halfway. I'll be between them by date and by size, but that's probably the only time I'll ever get between those two giants in the faith, and I mean that sincerely. Awesome men. All right, let's call me the rehab man. I'm going to try to work you out of Dr. Gibbs mode. We all remember him having y'all raise your hand, right? Yeah. How many here got tired of having to raise your hand all the time? Let's all raise your hand if you... Okay. All right, well, we're not used to doing that, so I'm going to promise to not have you raise your hand. Everybody like that? (laughs) Gotcha. So you're not going to have to raise your hand, and I've got to bring you back into that transition of us old-time people that are used to, to doing the mooing when we're in church. You know the mooing, it's the amen. You know, that's that biblical term we came up with, which we don't really know what we mean, but we, we want to say, hey, pastor, you've said it. Go ahead, go get him. You know, especially when he's talking about that guy over there. He needs to hear that. Say it again, amen. We got kind of lazy with our amen, so we kind of went, amen, amen. Or when we're praying, we want to be polite, so it's, mmm. <laughs> okay, so, so when you hear that, we're not really mooing. We're just agreeing with what's going on. Nothing wrong with that. It's just like, okay, that's cool. Like that. So I'm hoping you can get into the uh, amen. And, and then, you know, when, when he's talking about guys around you, it's amen. When he talks about you, it's move on. Move on. So hope I don't hear that tonight, today. Let's uh, open up God's word if you'll turn to 1 Samuel. To let you know about me, I am the connection group leader here at Messiah. I'm, it's my goal and my job and my privilege to try to convince you that God wants you to live your life for him. And the easiest way to live your life for him is to live it with other people. And the easiest way to live it with other people is to select other people that are doing the same thing you're doing, struggling every day to do what God wants you to do. We surround ourselves with people at work that we just got forced into because they happen to work with us. We surround our people on, on ball teams or something because they just happen to sign up for the same team. But we surround our people in God's work around people you can go select that we worship with, that we come on Sundays, that we meet with, that we listen to the pastor speak with 
and that we apply those things to our lives. We're trying to apply the same things to our lives, so during the week we need to get together and work on them. You know, this isn't the part that's important. It's the important when you walk out the doors and apply what we've learned. And that's what my goal is today, to try to convince you that that's so important in your life, to apply what you've learned and to share it with other people. I'm also uh, the junior high leader here at the church. So my messages sometimes are at junior high level. As I told the earlier group, I will bring it down to your level. So don't be afraid. Don't try to... I'm not going to get above you too high. Uh, I'll stay right below junior high and, and hit you. Something I learned, I just came from a conference this weekend. I uh, just got in early this morning, or late last night, however you want to look at it. And the, one of the speakers there was talking about, it was for junior high people. In fact, we took a bunch of kids up there. They're still up there, by the way. So uh, we're up there, and one of the speakers is talking about junior high kids and the way they develop. And it's just amazing to me that between, scientists have found, they've done studies, and between 11 to 14, your brain just all of a sudden explodes. Now, we knew that. We just thought it was your body that exploded, but really your brain explodes. That's why junior hires act that way, because their brain's just, just going crazy. But it's hooking up all these connections, all these new little connections in their brain, and it's, it's just hooking them up so that they have the opportunity to use all these things that they can use. Now, one by one, as we get older, and the brain says, well, you're not going to use this. We'll just shut that one off and shut that one off. And it, and it is true. As you get older, you, you, if you don't use it, you will lose it. And that's scientifically proven. It's kind of weird. So let's try to grab onto some of those connections before they're lost. I really challenged the high school this morning to don't lose too many. If we're in the Bibles in 1 Samuel chapter 17, let's see how we can get connected. Verse 8 is a famous story. I work with youth. I've worked with youth all my life. So most of the stories I deal with are youth-oriented. And that bugs the dickens out of me. I can't believe that we have, well, that's a kid's story. Everything in the Bible is meant for you. It's not meant for someone else. It's meant for you. And these kids' stories, I want to look at the background of this kid's story and see what does that, how's that going to affect my life? I want to look deeper and then just, instead of just finding out that David beat Goliath and, uh, you know, the big guy is always beat up and the little guy rules and us big guys kind of get frustrated with those kind of talks all the time. But David beat Goliath. We know that. But let's look behind the scenes and see what happened during that time. 1 Samuel 17, verse 8 is where I'd like to start. It reads this way, talking about Goliath. He's standing there in front of the armies. The armies are all arrayed in this big old battlefield. Goliath stands up and he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Here's this giant man who is just a man standing in front of the armies of Israel. This is God's army. Let's make sure we understand. This is God's army. This is God's chosen people. Saul is the king of this army. Great rulers, great people, men of war, men that are going out to fight God's battles for him. And yet they're all afraid of this one man just because he's taller and bigger than they are individually. Got to looking on the personal level. You know what happens is 
we start clouding up things. I heard a saying that says, clarity is lost when the sense of urgency is lost. When we lose clarity and the clearness of the picture in front of us, all of a sudden our urgency to act fades away. See, when it's Goliath, all i got to do is go beat him. God's on my side. Boom, let's go. Let's get this over with. Let's move on for what God has for me. Great. Not a problem. Let's act. But when we start bringing in all the excuses and, well, what if this happens or what if that happens and we start thinking of all these things, our vision gets, clear, gets cloudy and the clarity and the urgency of action is gone. So what these, well, I want to know what the armies are doing. Here's this man... If you go to verse 16, read this. Verse 16 reads this way, this way. The Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took his stand. So this wasn't a one-time deal. For 40 days in a row, the army is sitting there watching Goliath, scared to death, doesn't know what to do, and for 40 days, they're all just sitting there watching this happen. When God's saying, hello, I'm still God. Somebody, let's go get him. Let's move on. We've got battles. We've got things to do. Why are we all cowering before this one man? What do you think those armies were doing? For 40 days. Are they polishing their armor? Are they, let's go take some more, you know, combat courses or, or going on a few little recon things. Let, let, we need to really draw together and, and get some, some teams that will go out and, and, and search and, and study ways to defeat Goliath. You know, pastor says he's got an imagination. He hasn't met me very well, I guess. But my imagination says this. There's all these people out there, and what are their excuses? You know, I can hear him now. Well, you know, yeah, that's Goliath, but you know, it's just not as clear as that. It's just not as easy as going and fighting him and killing him. It, it's, there's more to it than that. It's, it's just not that simple. You can't just walk out there, kill him, let God use you, and go on. There's more to it than that. Or how about this one? I already put my time in. Let some of these younger soldiers go fight this time. I mean, after all, you remember, remember that other battle? I was leading that one. It's somebody else's turn to take on the fight. It's my turn to sit back and, and enjoy my life and, and, and rest on my laurels. How about this? Saul's the leader. Why isn't Saul doing it? Why should we step out if our leader's not going to step out? You know, who am I to get in the place of Saul? He should be going out there. He's the biggest guy of us all anyway. Why isn't he doing it? You know, if he's not going to, I'm sure not going to. I was just wanting to take a break. You know, I've been fighting every day for a long time, and, and you know, I've been here for, you know, six months in this ministry, and, and I just need a break. Let me, just two months, three months, I'll, I'll be back later. I'll, I'll come back, and I'll serve again later someday. But right now, I just need some time for myself. Or I'll pray about it, and I'll see if God leads me to go kill this guy. How about, I have obligations at work or at home, so I'm really not going to be able to get too involved right now. I've got kids and everything's going on in my life, so there's just no way that I'm going to be able to, to help out here. But, but y'all, you know, go get that guy. Don't, don't y'all stand here. Go get him. You know, I'm behind you. How about, well, I just don't do well with big people. I like that one. Have people tell me that. I'm going, come on, I'm a nice guy. I have people tell me I don't do well with little people. That's where I got that one. How about I'm a lover, not a fighter? Like I said, we can come up with all kinds of excuses. Here's the best one, though. I just don't want to give up my life right now. Going into the battle defeated already. 
I don't want to give up my life. I'm kind of enjoying what I'm doing. I've got all these plans. I've got all these other commitments. I don't want to give up my life right now to go fight Goliath. Let somebody else. That's what bugs me to death. Once again, we've got all these excuses clouding the sense of urgency to just act on what God's told us to do. Let's go further down in 1 Samuel. Let's look at chapter, stay in 17, but let's go on to verse 23. As he, we're talking about David here, was talking with them. David had come up to see the battle. Remember, he's just a little kid on the sheep fields, and he's come up to see what's going on. He's all excited, wide-eyed, ready to see all these battles and all these great things going on. And he says, and behold, he sees the champion. The Philistine came from Goth named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines, and he spoke the same words that he's been saying all these times. But this time David heard him. And when all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. Now, can't you see David? You see this little kid? All right, cool. I'm all excited. Here's this army. We're going to, oh, I get to see a battle. His brothers even gave him a hard time. You're just here to see the, the wars. Get back home where you belong. But David's up there. He's all excited. And okay, who's going to go get Goliath? Come on, who's going to get him? And all of a sudden, all the whole army runs and hides. And David turns around and, wait a minute. Remember that God that you all have been teaching me about since I was a little kid? Remember all, you know, I thought we all believed in God. I thought we all believed in the experience and, and working for God. And, and we, well, we all thought this was our plight in life, was to, to fight these fights and to lead others. You remember that time when, when your parents had been teaching you something and, and it just really wasn't true? They didn't really believe it or they really didn't come through with it? You know, remember when you got to the junior high age and all your brains started working? And you started being able to have reasoning capabilities. And you, you were able to analyze what's going on. And I had one of these experiences that I told the earlier group. My dad and mom, and bless my mom, she's the sweetest person in the world, never told a lie. But yet she didn't tell us the truth either on this one. My dad says he was Superman when we were little. He was the real Superman. And we believed it because he told us. When you're a little kid, your parents tell you something, you believe it. He's the real Superman. Psh, let's go. But as we got older and able to reason things, we realized, now, wait a minute, Dad. Come on, show us. We started challenging him. We said, lift the house up. Well, you know, he just got home from work. He's tired. He can't go lift the house up, you know. He'll do it on a Saturday or someday, catch him. And by then, we forgot to ask him again, and he was working again. So we never got to get the house lifted. Then we said, well, they'll fly around. Just fly around the house real quick. Well, you crazy kids. The neighbors would see me, and they would know I'm Superman. I can't do that. I got to stay hidden, and, and no one can know I'm the real Superman. He had an excuse for everything we said. Then as I got older, I realized, you know what? My dad and I, by the way, today are about the same size. And back then, they didn't have spandex, let alone industrial spandex. <laughs> so there's no way this six-pack was going to be held in in no little long underwear. And as I told the other group, I do have a six-pack. It's just a six-pack of two liters. It's how you look at it. So... But dad wasn't Superman, and we all, okay, you know, it wasn't, he didn't, they didn't believe it, they didn't show it in their life, he just said that when we was a kid, and we finally realized it. You know, that's a kind of a, a hard way to try to explain what I'm trying to say, but I hope you understand that it just blows my mind, and I feel so sorry for David at this point in his life, when he's up here and can't believe that everyone he had been going to church with, everyone he had been following, his brothers were even there, and yet they're all running away. When there's something to be done here for God? Confusing. Once again, when the clarity of the objective fades because we allow 
excuses and things to cloud our vision, the urgency diminishes. But we must move on. Verse 32. Let's look at that one. So David says, wait a minute. If you guys aren't going to do it, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to just stand here because I still believe. So David goes to Saul. Let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight because you're but a youth while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion and a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And then here's blows my mind. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. David says, What's the big deal? God's delivered me. He's been with me all my life. I've actually tested God. You know, when I was a kid out there in the, in, in the fields, I've actually asked God to help me, and he actually did. So I really do believe this stuff. And I know he'll just help me again here. It's no big deal, Saul. Let me go. But what blows my mind is Saul, the king, the master of all these armies, had this little kid in front of him, and he said, okay, go ahead. Doesn't that blow your mind? I mean, would you let some little kid come in here, and, and, and you're going to be a slave if this kid loses now. If he loses the fight, you're going to be a slave. And yet the whole army just sat there. Not one of them stood up and said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Hey, hey, oh, no, now. Uh, I know David, pretty cool little kid, but, but uh, you know, at least I've been in battles. I'll go ahead, I'll step in, I'll do it. Not one. Here's Saul the king. He's been fighting forever. He's got beautiful armor, awesome stuff. And he's letting a kid go for him. Now, I know I understand that the Lord touched Saul's heart. I understand that part. But it's still the humanness of all these other men just to, to sit there and watch this happen blows my mind. David convinced Saul of his faith in God. And so Saul said, you know, you've got the faith that I wish I had. You go because I know God will go with you. Verse 38, Saul clothed David with his garments because Saul knows best of what to do when you go into armor, into battle. David's never been into battle. So here, David, you need to wear this stuff. Put on this bronze helmet on his head. Clothed him with armor. So David girded on his sword over his armor and tried to walk, but he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And David took them off. In the KJV it says, I have not proved them. I've never done this before. I've never fought with these kind of battle armor, shields, and swords. I'll, I'll die out there. I need to use what I know. God's brought me through the lion, the bear, all the other stuff with me and what I know. You see, we, we t t labeled this thing, you got game, because God gives you what you need. That doesn't mean you won't get better. David did go on and get armors, get, get swords, and fought with spears and everything else. But right then, right now, when God needs you, you have what you need. He's not going to bring you into that battle without already preparing you. We don't need to worry about getting better, getting this, getting that. God has what you need already given to you for the battle you're facing today. He wants you to improve. He wants you to study more. But David says, I can't use your stuff. I need to use what I know, what God's given me now. Today's my fight. This is what he gave me. So now here's this whole army, and David's walking out there. Not only is, he, is a kid walking out there, but a kid's walking out there without any armor, without any sword, 
and he's walking out there with a slingshot. Now, if you're in the army and you know that you're going to be for 40 days, if you lose, you're going to be a slave, are you going to sit there? The whole army sat there and watched David go with his slingshot, putting their future, the rest of their lives in his hand. That just blows my mind that we would let kids do our work for us, that we would let kids fight the battle for us when we are very capable and need to get up and go do it. You know, I said, I was talking earlier on You Got Game. Lance and Sean came up with that title for this, and it's really catchy. Because if we're in the game of life, in the, game of, in the Lord's game, let's say, guess what? There's not a bench. Remember those of us that were on the B-team basketball team and never got to play, and come on, coach, put me in. I can do it. And, you know, the coach tells you to sit on the bench, and you'll get in someday. Well, God doesn't have a bench. The only people on the bench are the people that put themselves on the bench. God wants you in the battle. He wants you in the army fighting, not sitting and waiting. There's nothing to wait for. And you are equipped to do whatever he has for you to do right now. That's what we've got to realize. You don't need to sharpen your sword anymore. You don't need to get a bigger sword, a better chest armor. You need to just use what God gave you now. Grab that slingshot. Let's go. Verse 43, David gets out there with his slingshot. We all know the rest of the story, but let's finish it with these two verses here. Verse 43 says, The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you came to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the fields. And David said to the Philistines, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of, Israel, of army of Israel." whom you have taunted. Now, here's my favorite little part. God, glass out there, glass saying, okay, you, 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 they sent a little kid out here? I mean, first of all, he's shocked. Now he's saying, okay, hey, this is the best they got. Bring it on, little man. Saying, come on, bring it on. And the, J, the junior high is coming out at me right, there, right now, but God looks down at, at David and says, hey, you sling it, I'll bring it. Don't you like that? You, you sling Okay, I work with junior high. You sling it, I'll bring it. David didn't need to know anything other than that God was behind him and that God had taught him what to do. And he walked up there. He got his little stones. He put one in. He only needed one. He slung it around. He did what God had taught him to do. The little bit, his little sling. What can that amount to? Well, it amounted to hitting the guy in the head, knocking him out, killing him, and the whole army's being saved, and David becoming king. That's all it meant. He used the little sling that he had used and got so bored with out there in the fields, knocking tin cans off the logs and stuff, just practicing and playing, you know, just bored, watching sheep. How fun is watching sheep? All his life he's watched sheep, playing with a slingshot. Little did he know that watching those sheep was preparing him for something greater, something better. You know, little do you know that watching those sheep in that nursery is preparing you for something better. Little do you know that working in G-Force with those sheep is preparing you for that and something better, something later in your life. Little do you know that working in junior high or high school or working in this worship team ministry is preparing you and getting you ready, getting your slingshot. Use what you've got now. Get in the game now. You are prepared. You have what it takes. Come on and join in because God says, you sling it, I'll bring it. David had clarity. He knew what he was doing. He was going down there. He's going to fight that guy. God's going to use it. Boom, it's over. Let's move on. It wasn't that big of an obstacle to him. I think all the armies made it a bigger obstacle than it really was. You know, when you get the big cancer, 
all of a sudden, it's easy for us to have clarity, isn't it? I've had cancer in my family and friends, and it's just amazing how all of a sudden, you have time to get with your family. You have time to start coming to church regularly, praying, getting in the Word. Our focus gets a lot more clear when we're trying to save our life, doesn't it? It's us that clouds our world with all these excuses. It's clarity that we need to follow God. Every minute's an opportunity to live your life intentionally. You should come here intentionally deciding, I'm going to come here, I'm going to learn something that I can use out there. Every minute, every hour, every day, every month, every week, every year should be an intentional decision of yours to live for God with whatever he brings you, using whatever he has for you. I'll never be a David Gibbs. But you know, God tells me, you know what, Rick? I don't need a David Gibbs. Let David be David Gibbs. I didn't create you to be him. I'll never be Pastor Hoover. Greatest pastor alive, in my opinion. But you know what? God says, Rick, uh, excuse me, I have a Mark Hoover. Don't need another one. I need a Rick Hopper. I need a Paul. I need a Bob. I need a Pat. I need a Sue. I need a Mary. I need you to be what? Why did I create you for? Why did I create you? I, need, I created you to be you. I said, God, you know, man, I'm just, you don't know my life. I'm, I'm, I'm so imperfect. I'm, I'm messed up. I've sinned. I've, I've done so many things wrong. You, you just don't know everything I've done wrong. And God says, Rick, I know. And you're forgiven. Now be Rick. And as far as that perfect part goes, let Jesus handle that one. I didn't think you'd be perfect. That's why Jesus came. About five years ago, uh, working with junior high ministry, we took the kids to camp. We're traveling along out there on I-70, western Kansas, and all of a sudden, we see this kid running across the highway. And so Danny pulls the bus to a stop, like, what's going on? There's also this big old metal thing flipping around by him. And then all of a sudden, there's a minivan parked straight across the highway as we're coming at it. I mean, we've slowed down and we've stopped by now. Come to find out this little boy wasn't running across the highway. He was flipping across the highway. There was a minivan that was coming at us in the other two lanes of I-70, if you're familiar with that, big grassy area between us. It was going so fast and flipped so hard, it flipped clear across all that grass and into our lane and finally stopped. All the people in it thrown out all over the place, and it's 5.30 in the morning. We're the only ones out there. There was a truck driver there. The clear thing to do was get out and help. It wasn't sit and watch. It wasn't, well, any of you know any medical things? Anybody know how to set up a triage? Anybody know what to do? We didn't have time for that. It was clear. Get out there and help those people. We got out there. We helped them. Ran over. There's a lady in the back that smashed in between the van and the seat of a minivan. She's literally in between the wall and the seat, and there's that much room, and her entire body was in there. Can't help her. I can't do anything about it. Move on. Next lady is underneath the car. The leg, the wheel is laying on her knee right there. I can't pick up the car. can't do anything about it. Next lady has already passed away. This guy right here, face opened up, bleeding, crammed full of grass and stuff. I said, okay, boom, you're the, you're the guy. Grab onto him. Grab, couldn't believe how much stuff could be impaled into someone's face. Got all that out. Got his face put back together. Saw a T-shirt. Wrapped him up so I tr tried to at least put pressure, tried to stop the bleeding. 
and got him breathing again. Okay, best I can do for him. Everybody else off the bus, all the leaders running around. By now, other cars are showing up. We're all running around. None of us know how to set up a triage. None of us know any of that kind of stuff. But we're all doing what we can. We're doing whatever just comes to our mind, just do it. Helping as many people as we can. Now we've got enough people to lift the car up off this lady. Lift the car up. I grab her, ready to put a tourniquet on or something because I know her leg's severed. No, her knee had just been pulled apart. And when we lifted up her knee, literally, I just watched it go, weirdest thing I ever saw in my life. No blood, nothing. Freaky. Pulled her out of the way, and she obviously still hurt all other kinds of injuries. Laid her down. Uh, had the lady in the back of the van. Had enough men to pull the van apart. We, had, we didn't have jaws of life, so we're sitting there pulling the van apart to get her out from being wedged in between the seat. Got her up, crawled in there, picked her up, and laid her in the back seat. And she's almost gone. Grabbing blankets and stuff that's coming from Debbie Kubish, running off of the bus, helping us. The kids are just saying, here, take this, take this, help those people. Grabbed the next blanket on top, threw it on top of this lady as she's dying, and she takes her last breath. Most beautiful Mexican blanket you've ever seen in your life. And appropriately on this Mexican lady. Wrapped her up in it. She died, covered her up, moved on to the next people. The paramedics come running over. Are you Rick Hopper? I said, well, well yeah. And so here I'm thinking, well, somebody found out I took two years pre-med at KU. All right. What do you all need? Because, see, the paramedics are 20 miles both ways. I should have said that. We're in the middle of western Kansas. If you've ever been there, you're asleep. But 20 miles that way. 20, so it took 30 minutes for anybody to even get there. Okay? So that's why we're doing all this stuff and feeling so crazy. Come to find out, there's bodies in the ditch all the way up there. There was 15 people in a minivan. And so we didn't know if there's all these bodies. So, so they're grabbing me because Lori Pryor had the, the blessedness and joy of telling them that I speak Spanish. The entire state of Kansas, and there's no one that speaks Spanish but me. And I haven't spoke Spanish since college, 15 years ago. I don't know Spanish. I know a few words. But I'm the only one that even knows a word. So they're grabbing me and saying, get over here and help me with these people. Well, I could have fought them and explained them how I don't know Spanish, but it's, no. The clarity was that they need help. I'm going to do what I can got over there, got to this poor girl just writhing in pain, and they said, I, we need to know what's going on, what's wrong? I said, okay, uh, don't do a stall mall, which means, where are you bad? <laughs> she looks up at me, and I can't tell if it was like, that's the best they got is you, <laughs> or if it was finally I'm hearing some of my own language. So I don't know what it was, but we found out what was wrong, where she was hurting, and did the best we could. Pretty soon, the, the paramedic pulled out a little book he has that translates words into Spanish. And I could read those because I remember that. So I'd find the word I need and I'd read it. And we did the best we could. You know, we weren't great. And, and, and four of those people wound up dying out of the 15. Uh, but the others were saved. They got off to hospitals. We did what we could. I get back to the bus. And I'm sitting by the, this little girl. And I remembered that Mexican blanket I told you about. Man, that was hers. And her mother had just given that to her as a present for going to camp brand new, most, be most colorful, beautiful Mexican blanket you ever saw in your life. It was just gorgeous. And her mother gave that to her as a present to go to camp with, to take to Colorado because it's going to be cold up there. Well, the paramedics had asked me if I want that blanket back, and I saw it laying there wrapped up, that body wrapped in it, and I said, no, no, you, that, you need to leave that there. So I'm sitting by this little girl on the bus, and I said, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you lost your blanket. And she said, Mr. Hopper, I didn't lose my blanket. I gave it for those people. I said, man, that's so right. You know, when you come here and you go work in that nursery or you get up here in this worship team or you work in G-Force, don't ever think you gave up your Sunday. 
thank you. I gave it for those sheep. I gave it for those people. I got to come on Sunday afternoon and practice? No, you get to come on Sunday afternoon. You get to give some of your life back to God. The guy that created you that's standing here and saying, what did I make you for? Let's go. Get in the game. Don't ever think, I'm losing it, because you won't lose it if you give it to him. He's given it to you, to use for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for the things you've done and taught us. I thank you for stories like David and Goliath, Lord. How we can learn that, that you are with us no matter how unsurmountable the task is. And that if we just get clear of our vision and realize it's a job that needs to be done for you, we never have to ask for people to help in G-Force. We never have to ask for people in the nursery or in any other worship ministry here. We'd have so many people serving you, Lord. I just pray that you'd instill in our hearts the need to get clear on why we're here. Help us to be the best that we can be and help us to be ourselves serving for you. In Jesus' name, amen.